Well, we are starting a new series called Anonymous, and I want to let you know that it was birthed out of uh, me reading all the old school sermons this year. If you don't know, I set a goal that uh, I want to read 100 old sermons from Spurgeon, Finney, Jonathan Edwards, the old, old sermons, and uh, I've just been devouring them, and uh, I will easily get to 100 sermons. Uh, I probably have already done that, but I haven't kept track of it. I think it was in the 70s, or, but I'm, get, I'm just devouring it. And this message in this series was birthed out of one of the lines that I read from one of those old sermons. And the line said this, it said, prisoners have a number, but children have a name. And as I read that, it just hit me, and I felt the Holy Spirit just start to download stuff to me about uh, that when you're a prisoner, you just have a number and you lose your identity, but children have a name, and God gives his children uh, names, and he loves his children by name. And so I'm writing all this down and just downloading it all, and that's where this whole series was birthed out of, that one line. Now, in that, we're going to look at that point that prisoners have a number, children have a name, but we're also in this series going to look at the names that we're given as children of God that he gives us new names, that he gives us titles and names that we can own. He talks about name changes. He actually changes the names of people in the Bible. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at the name above all names. And then ultimately in week four of this series, I want to make sure you realize that even though you're part of a growing church, you are not a number, you are a name. Every person is seen as valuable. Every person counts. Every person makes a difference. And we're going to realize that we're not forgotten, but God still knows what we're doing and he knows our name. So this is a series to tell you that you are not a statistic. You are not a number. You are a person with a name and you matter. And if you don't figure that out, if you don't realize that you matter to God and that God knows your name and you just see yourself as a statistic in this life, how many of that would be very depressing? It'd be very depressing to think that you're nothing more than one of the seven billion people roughly on this planet and you're just here breathing up air and not really mattering. But I, I, I saw somebody that felt this way and I feel very sorry for this lady. Her name is Lynn Beisner, and uh, she wrote a very, very heavy article. And as I was doing research, I found this article, and it just hit me. Here's somebody who must believe that they're just a number on this planet, that it doesn't really matter that her name is Lynn, that she doesn't really have great value. And I'll tell you the title of her article. It's very shocking, and I, and I know this will shock some of you, but the title of her article was this. It said, I wish my mom had aborted me. That was the title of her article. And as I saw that and realized what she was writing, she was saying, anything I do on this earth could have been done by anyone else. She goes, really, my existence on this planet is a net loss for the planet. I thought, how sad. There is somebody that just has lost it, that they're just a number. And, and if Lynn was ever to see this message, and I would love to say to you, Lynn, you matter. You have a purpose. God created you. You're here for a reason. And to everyone in our church and at all of our campuses, I'd say, you are not a number. You were created for a purpose. You are not a net loss. It doesn't matter what you suffer with. You are not a net loss to this planet. We would not be the same without you. Everyone matters. Everyone matters. But if you think you're a number, you could get caught up in that. I don't matter. I don't count. It's not any real significant loss if I'm gone. If you see yourself as a number and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I could see where you could get just depressed and, and lose your identity and just be anonymous in a way. Matter of fact, the Bible says, essentially, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't realize this, you really are a, a prisoner, 
You really are a prisoner. The Bible says the word slave, but you could put prisoner in there. Romans 6.20 says, when you were slaves to sin, when you were prisoners to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Paul is saying in Romans, he's saying, you were actually like a prisoner. You were a slave. You were a number in the devil's army of people that he's just bringing to hell. You, you were a slave to that. And so you could see where people would lose hope. But if you know the message of Jesus Christ, you know the message of God's love all throughout the Bible. How many know that he is just reaffirming over and over again, I love you, I know your name, I've called you, I have a purpose for you, I have a plan for you. I love what Isaiah uh, 43.1 says. It says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. That's the God we serve. He said, I've called you by name. I know you. I love you. I paid the price for you. You are mine. And so I'm hoping in this series to convince you that you are not a number, that you are a person with a name. God knows it and he loves you. But how many know that in our society, we have a lot of numbers? How many know you get a social security number and if you don't have one, you don't get to work? And I remember when I got my social security number and I thought, I have to memorize that? I got to put that on every job application? How many know you memorize it pretty good? And you could just rattle it off and I won't tell you because you might steal my identity, you know? So <laughs> we have all sorts of numbers. We have our addresses we have to remember, our phone numbers. I, I'm starting to not remember phone numbers because of the favorites thing on my phone. I mean, my family all has, you know, phone numbers, but I really can't tell you. I can push the button to call them, but, uh, I, but they have numbers. You have employee numbers. You have PIN numbers. Don't share them with your neighbor either. You have library card numbers. I remember, it's a true story. I went and got my library card, and uh, they issued me my library card and my number. I looked at it. It was 6666. And I was like, I don't want that number. I mean, I'm a pastor. I don't want that number. So I went up to the librarian. I said, you know, hey, uh, you know, I'm a pastor. And I don't like that. I mean, you know, like Revelation talks about the number of the beast, 666 and everything. And so I was thinking I could get rid of it. And she looks at it and she goes, there's an extra six. Get over it. You know, <laughs> like, okay, Mr. Spiritual, you know. And I learned that day that I am not the beast. All right, so uh, one extra number. But we've got numbers upon numbers upon numbers upon numbers that we have to remember. You have employee numbers, but we are not numbers. And numbers can dehumanize us. They can just get us to do terrible things when you, we just look at people as numbers and not as human beings. When Stalin, the horrible communist dictator, was told about the millions of people that he killed, he had this quote. He said, one death is a tragedy. A million deaths is just a statistic. He said, that's all it is. It's a statistic. That's all it is. It's so dehumanizing to look at people as numbers, so controlling to lose our identity. And one thing that we've noticed is that when a prisoner goes to jail, when they go to the prison, they're given a number. They're given a number. It's very dehumanizing and to be, no longer be called by your name, but to be called a number. And they're more than 24601, 6239, or 46664. They're Jean Valjean, they're Elvis Presley, they're Nelson Mandela. It's real names behind numbers. And yet we just see people with numbers. And I want to talk to you a little bit about people in prison because they lose their identity. And as I talk to people in our church that have been to prison, and yes, we have people in our church that have been to prison. Matter of fact, I was just talking to a, a man that does ministry with prisoners. And he said, uh, can I bring some of the prisoners, to the former prisoners to Guys Night? Are they welcome here? I said, absolutely, please bring them. Know that this is a church that loves people and, and treats them as names and not numbers. But I've talked to some of the people that, are, uh, that have been in prison and they say, I, I'll never forget my number. 
I'll never forget my number. I was given the number and I'll never forget it. I talked to one prisoner, former prisoner, and he said it was so dehumanizing. I had never been called a number before. I was always a name. And now I'm being called a number. And he said, I sat there in my cell and he said, all I could think about was taking my own life. He said, that's what I wanted to do. And then I thought, I don't want to take my own life. I hope somebody in prison will kill me and end my life because this is miserable. I can't believe that this is what has happened to me. He said it was so horrible. Matter of fact, when he saw our preview video, our intro video, he saw it last week, it shook him. And he went home and wrote some things down. And then he said, I felt compelled to send you this. And he sent me a poem that he had written called Behind the Number. And I have to read this to you because you just got to see what a number does and what's going on behind the scenes. And he wrote this. He said, what do you see, guard? What do you see? What are you thinking when you look at me? A convicted prisoner, not very wise, unsure of himself with faraway eyes, who lives in a pen and submits to the rules. Are you thinking he's not but a six-digit fool? I'll tell you who I am as I'm held against my will, as you play with my life and grind me through the mill. I'm a person like you with kids of my own and a family too. A person not unlike you with hopes, dreams, goals. A person such as yourself with thoughts, feelings, and soul. Memories so dear as the things I own. I think of the years and the love that I've known. From time to time, my battered heart swells. But inside this prisoner, a soul still dwells. So open your eyes, guard. Open and see. Not a convicted prisoner. Look close and see me. He writes down his number there and his name, and I told him, I refuse to call you your number. I will call him his name. Thank you, Dennis, for giving this to me and saying uh, what you said there. I think it's very inspiring. Can we thank Dennis for being vulnerable and giving that out? I want to say this to our church. Let's not act like we're the prison guards. You say, well, I'm not a prison guard. That doesn't apply to me. Sometimes we act like that. People come into our church and they're really prisoners of the enemy. They're prisoners of the devil. And we, they look different. They smell different. They're into different things that we're into. They're doing different things. And we look at them and we judge them. And we look at them almost as a number, as a prisoner. We can't do that. This church needs to be life-giving and loving and say, welcome. This is a safe place to find out about Jesus. Now, some numbers that you need to have before we move on in the series I want you to see the real numbers and the real people behind these numbers. There are 2.2 million inmates in the prison system right now in the United States. 2.2 million inmates. There are 10,000 in Minnesota alone. Every year, 4,000 new inmates are brought into the prison system in Minnesota alone. Every year, 97% of those that are in prison right now will be released someday. 97%, 36% of them will commit another felony within three years. 25% of them will have a child within one year of being released from prison. Those are some numbers that you need to realize that are going on around us every single day. Now here's some good numbers, all right? Here's some good numbers that we can celebrate. This year, River Valley Church will take care of 1,000 children of inmates uh, through Angel Tree Ministry. We will bless them with gifts and bless them and take care of them, 1,000 of them. Matter of fact, we're helping with a prison in Florida, even of all places. We're helping with a prison in Florida, and the prison down, all the churches in Florida heard that River Valley from Minnesota was helping with a church in Florida. They said, wait a minute. These are our prisons. We should be stepping up and taking care of our prisoners and the kids here. It shouldn't be somebody from Minnesota. And so we're actually spurring others on to good works. 
We found out that if you're uh, an inmate in prison ministry, which we are involved in heavily, your likelihood of committing a crime goes down by 26%, even if you just attend the Bible study that we do. Prison ministry in Minnesota alone saves the state of Minnesota $3 million. And every month, 60 people from River Valley are involved in prison ministry. Do you realize those 60 people visit seven prisons, two jails, and give over 300 hours of volunteer service in the prison? That's not even the time that they meet and strategize and get ready. It's not even the time of them driving. It's 300 hours in the prison volunteering. This is our church, and I want to say thank you to all those people. Can we show our appreciation to the people that are going to the prisoners? As a matter of fact, I was going to meet with the, uh, the head of the Minnesota Prison Fellowship. I was meeting him at a local coffee shop. And when I went in to meet him, uh, this was not planned. As I walk in, I order my coffee. A young lady comes up to me and she goes, Pastor Rob, this is so great. I, I ran into the coffee shop. She said, I just got to tell you, I'm so excited. I just joined the prison life group. She had no idea I was meeting the guy with prison fellowship. And she said, I can't wait till my background check clears and everything and I can go to prison. You know, that is the good, you know, River Valley Church, the church that wants to go to prison. You know, I mean, that's us. And then I was talking to one of the guys in our church, Dave, who has just done an amazing job in prison. And he was telling me, I'm about to get the highest level of clearance where I can go into any prison at any time. And this is what he said to me. He goes, it's my get into jail free card. And I thought, that's a great way to say it. Oh, man, that's the heart. And I just want our heart to be there for the prisoners and say, you are not a number. You have a name. Uh, the greatest name you could uh, be known by is child of God. And this is a church that wants to help you to understand the grace and love of Jesus Christ. See, prisoners have a number, and it keeps them anonymous. Prisoners have a number, and it keeps them anonymous. And if you're anonymous, you know what? It's easy to use people if they're just anonymous. It's easy, not just in prison, but all around society. If you don't know your coworkers, it's easy to use them and not treat them as human beings. Business Week just did a recent article about the permanent temps and the situation. They call it the era of the disposable worker. And it's easy to fire what's-her-face or the skinny guy or that other dude because you don't even know who they are. They don't have real names, and, and I think there's a huge disconnect. There's, we're not doing life with people. We're using people, and we can't use people. We're made to be in community. I think it's a sad thing that many of us in suburban America use our garage door openers almost as the modern-day drawbridge. We pull into our driveway. We push our button. Our garage door opens. We pull in. We push the button and close out the neighbors. We sit in our back porch. Don't say hi to anyone. It's like a modern-day drawbridge. We should know our neighbors' names. If we don't know them, it's easy to use them. It's also, if they're anonymous, it's easy to mistreat people. It's easy to mistreat people if they're just anonymous and they really don't have names and they really are seen as just the neighbors at 9464 or these people over there. It's a sad thing. I think the one that will mistreat the most people is the devil. I think he mistreats and uses people. And I think when you look at the Bible, you even realize that the one leading the charge for hell really has a number. 
He really even has a number. If you know Revelation 13, what I was referring to, the number of the beast, it says, the second beast was given the power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands and on their foreheads so they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. If you think about it, the Antichrist is taking away the identity from people, saying, take that number. This is what you have to have. He's running, if you will, the largest prison on the planet. People say to me, I'm going to party in hell. You're not going to party in hell. You're not going to party in hell. It's really just a place that's numbered. It's a place that is, is evil and horrible. If you could think of it, it's the worst prison ever created. If people are anonymous, it's easy for people to do wrong. It's easy for you to do wrong. If you just feel like you're a number in this world, if you just feel like you don't matter, like nobody knows your name and nobody knows what's going on in your life, it's easier for you to sin. If you are having a problem with sin, you know what you need to do? You need to join a life group. You need to get into a life group and and get some community in your life and stop being anonymous because when people are anonymous, it's easier for them to do wrong. Uh, Proven, it's a proven study. Carnegie Mellon University, they did a study. They found that students are more likely to cheat if they don't know their professor and if their professor doesn't know their name because there's no embarrassment. There's no guilt. There's no relationship. It's just that person up there. It's just that person out there and it's easy to cheat that way. Matter of fact, I heard of a funny story of a, a guy that was in a class of like 200 people. He was in a university class of 200 people, and uh, he was taking a test, and the professor said, you know, time's up, stop taking the test. All these students came down, put their test down there, and this guy kept writing and writing five minutes, 10 minutes, filling out his test, doing the thing, and he walks up there, and the professor goes, I have to give you an F. I mean, you, you went past the time limit, and the student said, do you know my name? The professor said, I have no clue who you are. So he took his test, he put it in the pile, shuffled it up and said, see ya. You know, so. <laughs> Can't believe Pastor Darren did that. But no, I just, I just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, if you're anonymous, it's easy to do wrong. It's easy to do wrong. You just, you just are more prone to it. You know what's sad? They've been studying this about the digital world we live in. The digital world that we live in where we hide behind the screen of our smartphone or our computer, and they're saying that there's an, uh, this, this study that they're doing, they're saying that there's this anti-inhibition, that you're starting to lose all inhibition, and you're starting to, the rhetoric is ramping up, and we're getting so mean to people, and we're starting to do horrible things that we never think of doing face-to-face, but yet because it's online, we think we're anonymous, that we're hiding behind there, that we can say these horrible, mean things, and we can be cyber bullies, and we can do these things. It's wrong. It's wrong. But because there's the anonymity of the screen, you think that you can do that. You just see yourself as a digital number online. You're not. You're a real person. And can I say this to River Valley Church? I want our online presence to be life giving. We need to lower the the rhetoric and settle things down, and we need to be life-giving, positive people online. We need to be faith builders and positive people and life-givers and realize what you put out in cyberspace is out there forever. Let's lift up the name of Jesus and be a positive example in a digital world. The darkness of anonymity feeds sin. 
Because when you're anonymous, when you're just a number, you're living in that darkness. That's what Ephesians 5.11 says. It says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. See, because sin, sin loves to be in the dark. It loves to be anonymous. It loves the cover of darkness so that you can't be found out. John 3.20 says, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. They stay in the darkness. They stay there because they're saying, I'm going to stay in the darkness. I want to be anonymous. I want to hide here. And with that, all of a sudden, they do all sorts of evil. But God's saying, come to the light. And if you come to the light and you call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says you get a name. He calls you by name. And I love this, that God calls us by name and says, I want you to leave darkness. You are not anonymous. You are not a number. I have a name for you. I know your name. John 10, 3 says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And if God knows your name, here's a couple of things for you. You are not a number, God knows your name. Here's a couple of things. If he knows your name, he knows your purpose. If he knows your name, he knows your purpose. Now in Genesis 1, God is naming things. You've got to understand this. Names were different in the Bible times. When they would name something, it said what it did and why it was here and what it was created for. So when God creates the sun and he said, I'm going to call this the sun, this light will give heat. This light will, will illuminate the day. This is the sun. And it's called this because this is its purpose. It had a purpose and it had a, a reason for being. And it's interesting that in Genesis 1, God is naming things, and then all of a sudden, Adam gets to name things. And I would just love to see that. We will call that aardvark. You know, okay. God's like, that's creative. All right. Uh, we'll call that platypus. Okay. Another good one. Kudu. All right. Yeah. I would just love to see that moment. But God's naming things, and then Adam is naming things. But here's the thing. If you have a name, you have a purpose. If you have a name, you have a purpose. And God says, you have a purpose you have a real name, and you have a purpose, and God wants you to fulfill your purpose. He called Bezalel. He said, you know what? You have a name, and you are good with your hands. You are a craftsman. I want you to build my tabernacle because I've seen the quality of your work. I know how I've wired you, and that's what you're here for. I know your dad's name. I know your name, and I'm calling you to build the tabernacle for me. God called Moses. And he said, I know your name. I know the way I wired you. I need a leader with a little passion. You know what? I need someone to lead the largest prison break ever from Egypt, so I need a felon on the lamb. It's you, Moses. <laughs> Some of you are catching up to that one. All right. You ever think about that? Here's a guy that was a murderer. And God's like, I'm calling you to go back. But here's what God knew. He knew that he had a man named Moses that had some, you know, leadership passion. And he could stand before Pharaoh and say, God wants his people to go. God's not satisfied with that answer. We all leave. We're all going. And God's going, that's the way I wired you. That's what I've called you for. That's your purpose. And if God gives you a name, you have a purpose. And everyone here has a purpose. If he knows your name, then guess what? He knows where to find you. He knows your first name, he knows your middle name, he knows your last name, and he knows where to find you, and that's a good thing. 
The psalmist says in 139, he says, you've searched me, Lord, you know me, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out, my lying down, you're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my beds in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me your right hand will hold me fast if I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me even the darkness will not be dark to you the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you the psalmist is saying you know where I am you know me you know my name you know where I live you know if I'm in the dark or in the night you know exactly where I'm at and there's one of two ways you can see that scripture you can realize that God knows everywhere you are and be sad about it like uh uh-oh He knows where I am. Or you can be excited about it. And you could say, God knows your name and he knows where to find you and he knows he's right there with you. And if you go into the prison and do prison ministry, God is right there with you. If you are in a dark alley doing ministry, God knows where you are and he's right there. You call on his name. It's not like, hey God, do you know where I'm at? It's like turning over your shoulder and saying, Heavenly Father, Daddy, I need help. And he's like, I'm right here with you. It's a beautiful thing. God knows where to find you. He knows what you're involved in. He loves you personally. If he knows your name, he loves you personally. You are not a number. You are not a unit. You are a person with great value, and he loves you personally. Let me say this. Jesus didn't die for numbers. He died for real people with names. He died for people like Mallory's and John's and Muhammad's and Connor's and Logan's and Carol's and Isabella's and Enrique's and Julio's and Angela's. He died for real people with real names and he loves you personally. Even when you see an altar call where we say, yes, I see that hand and that hand and that hand and there might be dozens of people that give their life to Jesus, hundreds of people, thousands of people. Every single one of them had a personal call from God. He called them by name. He tapped on their heart. He didn't say, hey group, follow me. Each person is loved personally. I love what God's heart is. I read the scripture, but I'll read it again. Isaiah 43, 1. Israel was in captivity, and God is telling his people how much he loves them. He says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. It's a beautiful thing. Last thing. If God knows your name and you are not a number, you are a name and he knows it, he'll never forget you. He will never forget you. He will never forget your name. And I have to confess, I am not good with numbers, all right? I'm not good with numbers. I can fill gas in the car and Becca will say, how much is gas? I'll be like, 43, 53, 50, 54, 30? I don't know. I, I gotta confess, I'm gonna make all the dads feel a lot better here. Uh, I mix up the boys' birthdays. I'm like, is it July 29th, 7th, August 20th? And Becca's like, I can't believe you forget the days. I said, I may forget the days, but I will never forget their names. <laughs> Sometimes my mom and dad forgot our names. They're like, hey, Rob, Rick, Rod, Ryan, whatever you are, get over here. <laughs> you know. uh, I'll never forget their names, but here's the beautiful thing. You are not a number. You have a name. And when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you didn't become number 2,786,347,886 person giving your life to Jesus. You are a name. 
You are a person. And here's what God says in Revelation 3, 5. He says, the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. He didn't write your name the day you gave your life to Jesus. He, he didn't write your name with a number next to it. He just wrote your name and he keeps track of you by name. You are not a number in the family of God. And the last thing he says, Isaiah 49, 15, he says, never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. God says, I would not forget you. If you think about the passion that a mom has for her baby, he's like, she could never forget her baby. And even if that was possible, I could never forget you. I love you. I called you by name. I sent my son for you. I love you. You are a value. You are not a number. You are a name. And I call you by name. Prisoners have a number. Children have a name. And you have a name and God's called it. We need to thank God that he calls us by name, he loves us by name, and he will never, ever, ever forget our name. Can we bow our heads here and at all of our campuses, and let's just have a moment to close our eyes and thank God that he called us by name, that he knows our name. We are not a number. Lord, I thank you that you've called us by name. We are not a number. You called all of us by name. And I thank you for that. And I pray even now as we just close this service with an opportunity to give their life to Jesus, that people would realize that right now, if they don't know you as Lord and Savior, you're knocking on their heart. You're calling them by name. You're calling them by name. And I pray that they'd answer that call and they'd respond to that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give an opportunity as we close out this service for some to say, I want to say Jesus is calling me by name. I want to call upon the name of the Lord. I want to ask him to forgive me of my sins. You're saying, I'm not sure that my name is written in that book of life. I, I, I come to church. I, I think about God, but I've never really asked him to be my Lord and Savior. And you're saying, I want to do that. This is your opportunity to say, I want to be forgiven of the things that I've done wrong. I want to accept what Jesus Christ did on that cross, that he, he paid for me. He paid the ransom for me so I could be set free. And now I can accept him as my Lord and Savior and have forgiveness. And if that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and we'll include you in a closing prayer. You can raise your hand, look up at me, and I'll acknowledge you. And then you can put it down. But I'd love to pray one closing prayer with people that would say, I want to be named child of God. I want to be named forgiven. I want God, as he's calling me by name, to know that I love him and I'm calling upon his name to be saved. So if that's you across this place with everyone's head bowed and their eyes closed, would you just have the courage to raise your hand and look up at me and I would acknowledge that and then you can put it down. Yes, yes, I see your hand. Are there others? Yes, in the back, in the front, in front. Yes, yes, yes. Lots of hands going up. I'm seeing so many over here. I'll look in the middle section now. Anyone here want to join those? Yes, so good. In the far left, yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. People, hands going up all over. It's so good, it's so good, it's so good. This is what God's calling us to do, to call upon his name. And then he says, I'm gonna give you the name, child of God. I'm gonna forgive you of all that you've done wrong because you're gonna call on the name of Jesus. You can put your hands down and I would love to pray this prayer with you. There are so many hands that went up and I thank God for that. And we're gonna pray this prayer and I'm gonna pray a line and then I'm gonna ask for you to pray a line out loud. 
And here's one of the things we do at River Valley. Nobody prays alone. We're going to pray out loud with you. The people that have already called upon the name of the Lord are going to pray with you as you are welcomed into the family of God. So let's pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. I ask you to forgive me. I turn away from them and turn towards you. I thank you for paying the price so I could be forgiven. Thank you for that forgiveness. Now give me the strength to live for you every day of my life. You are my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. So, Lord, I thank you for those that have turned from their sin, and they thank you for the forgiveness that you give them. You died on the cross so they could be forgiven. You give them that ability to have the name child of God. And I pray that as they've turned from their sin and turned towards you and trusted in what only you could do, they are now forgiven. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to strive for it. It was grace that was given to them. And I thank you for this new life in Jesus Christ. We rejoice in those that made that decision to give their life to Jesus Christ. And we pray that they would have the strength and the just confidence and the joy and the peace of knowing that their name is written in the book of life. Blessings on them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. There are about... 17 people that did that. Can we thank God for the people that raised their hand and did that? It's so good. A new name. Can you all stand with me all across this place as I talk real quick to those 17 people? You gave your life to Jesus, and we want you to do two things before you go to bed tonight. One is get this book called Now What? It's our gift to you. It's just a, a free book. Matter of fact, prayer teams, could you make your way forward while I'm talking? The prayer teams have this book. They would love to just give it to you. You could say, hey, I need a book. They'll give it to you. If you want to pray with them, they'll pray with you. If you want to say, you know, I made the decision and talk to them, they'll do whatever. But they have it and the Welcome Center has it. And then I want you to do one other thing. So get the book before you go. I helped to write it with our team. It's just like, how do I live as a follower of Jesus? And then the other thing is this. Uh, before you go to bed tonight, tell someone you gave your life to Jesus. Tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell a relative, tell someone you know that is a Christian. Tell them, I made the decision. I, I, I raised my hand. I prayed a prayer. I started on the journey. I've got my now what book. I'm, I'm following Jesus, and I've trusted in him for my salvation. I think it's very important that you go public with your, your decision that you did. And you, you know, it's almost 11 o'clock. You got all day. And uh, find someone. You can even tell somebody on the prayer team that you did it. But I thank God for that. As we leave from here, realize you are not a number. You are somebody with a name. And that name has uh, been given to you, that name that is the greatest name you can be called, this child of God. And we thank God for 17 more people that now have that name as child of God. Before you leave, one more time, let's thank God for those people that gave their life to the Lord. Yes. Have an amazing week serving the Lord. God bless you.